Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Dylan, and this week, Daniel continues our series called Under Pressure, where we address the stresses and anxieties that weigh on us daily and how God has called us to face them according to His Word. Our prayer is that you would gain a better understanding of how to deal with the various things that overwhelm us. We hope you enjoy week two of Under Pressure. So I want to deal tonight with the pressure that we, uh, whether you are a child or a teen or adult or a 75-year-old man, whatever it is, uh, it's a pressure that you will face throughout your whole life. And many of you, once we talk about it, will be like, no, that's the only pressure that I face as a teenager. It's not true. Uh, and it's a pressure that I think that unless you put guards in your life, unless you put safeguards or warning flags or whatever you want to call them, in your life, it's going to be an issue uh, for, from now until uh, for the rest of your life. And that pressure is peer pressure. That's peer pressure, the pressure that we get from our peers, from the people in our age group. And it's something that I know many of you, like I said, will think, well, we, I mean, no, that's just me. I only deal with peer pressure. It's a teenager thing. I promise you, as a 27-year-old uh, guy, I still deal with peer pressure. You just will. It's just one of those things, like I said, unless you put safeguards in your life, you're, you're always going to have this, this, uh, this pressure in your life. And before we really dive in, I want you to know that uh, I, I understand that peer pressure is not always negative. I get that there can be good peer pressure. You know, you could be in trying to influence your friend or pressure. The, the idea of pressuring someone seems just bad, but you can try to pressure them to say, dude, you need to, you need to get here to live. You need to, to, to hear what they're saying. You need to worship. Come on, like, come on, come with me. And they'd be like, no, no, no. I'd be like, dude, you really need to come on. Like, that's like, that's not a negative pressure, right? That's not a negative uh, case of peer pressure. But for tonight's sake and for this topic, we're going to focus in on what the world has deemed negative, this idea of peer pressure. And I hope to answer... Uh, I hope to answer this question. How do I deal with peer pressure? How do I deal as a 12-year-old or a 13- or 18-year-old? How do I deal with peer pressure? So when I started to think about uh, this topic, um, I, want, I was trying to think of like a story, an example that I could give you all that like when I was your age or something that happened of, of peer pressure or whatnot. And I came I kept coming back to one, and I'm going to spoil it real quick for you. Uh, this isn't one where I, like, I end up in the back of a cop car. Um, that's another story for another time. Uh, this isn't one where I end up burning like, the school down and get kicked out or something, or where I went to like, a military school and became like Captain America. No, this is, like, it doesn't end like that, I'm sorry to say. Uh, it doesn't have a, like, a crazy ending like that, but it is one that deals with I was influenced by friends to, to do something that was against what my parents said. So I was with some friends, uh, and you've probably heard their names before. I was with Joey and Josh, two of my good buddies. We were probably 13 or 14. We were throwing the football out at my house. No one was home. It was just us. I was old enough to be, I guess, by myself. Probably shouldn't have been, but uh, we were throwing the football outside my house, and we got a little tired, so we sat down across the street and the sidewalk from my house, so my house is over here. We're about 25 yards from, like, the garage. We're not far at all, uh, and we're sitting there, and we're looking up at my house, and there's a window above the garage. Now, in Georgia, uh, they have these things called basements, 
And that's what, like, so a two-story house, like, it's not a two-story house. It's on a basement. Like, when you walk in, you have the first floor, and that's really it. But you can go lower. Weirdly, I know that's, like, a weird thing for Texans, I guess. I didn't know that until I moved here. But we have a basement, so we only have one floor. But there is a window above the garage, right? There's a window above the garage. And we were sitting there, and we're like, where, where is that window? Like, is that window fake? Like, is it just that window? Or is it, is it a part of, like, the attic? Like, we weren't dumb in a sense we thought it was, like, magical. No, we, you know, we were like, it, it's got to be part of the attic, right? It's got to be part of the attic. So uh, we're like, why don't, we, why don't we go up there? You know, we weren't the first ones to live in the house. We're like, why don't we go up there? Maybe, you know, there's something, uh, like, maybe there's a treasure up there. And my friend's like, maybe there's a dead body. And I'm like, okay, I'm out. I'm not going, right? Uh, but no, we, so we wanted to go up there. So I called my dad. I, I, I got him on the phone. I said, hey, dad, where is the door to the attic? He goes, Why? I'm like, me and Josh and Joey, we're just bored. We want to go up there. We want to see if there's anything up there. He's like, and he was in a meeting, so the conversation literally was this long. Uh, no, click. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so then I took it back to my friend and said, hey, guys, we can't go up into the attic. And they're like, well, let, listen, let's just go in the house. Let's see if we can even find the door, because I didn't even know where the door was necessarily. So we go in the house. I'm like, all right, fine, cool. So we go in the house, and we, like, within 10 seconds, I find it. My house is not that big. Uh, I find it. It's like right there. I'm like, well, duh, this is it. This rope always hits me in the head when I go in the laundry room. Because if you know the attic rope, it's really long. Uh, and so I'm like, well, we found it. Good job. We're done, right? And they're like, well, why don't we just open it? Let's just open There might not even be enough space in there to crawl around. Let's just open it. So I'm like, fine. So I get it down. And it's like straight up out of like a horror film where it's like, yeah. And it, you know, it's got like the, like the, the stairs that you can't like fold up correctly. Like, it's got, like, the one fold and then, like, the little two-step baby step. And if you don't get it right, it's going to hang off the ground, like, six inches. Like, it's, like, that whole deal. And, like, there's lights flickering up there. I'm like, all right, we're done. Like, let's fold this thing up, call it a day. But we get it open, and, and the light starts to kind of flicker on and stuff. And they're like, dude, let's, we're right here. Like, we might as well just go, like, we'll just go up there. We'll come down. And then I, you hear this. No one will find out. Right, that, like peer pressure kind of like everyone's doing it phase or phrase phase phrase and so I'm like fine that's cool let's do it let's go up there we'll come down it'll be fine we'll look around for you know two minutes so we go up there and it's covered in insulation there's we see the window we're like there's nothing up here yay Uh, and it's covered in insulation and I'm we're starting to kind of walk around and I remember I'm like I don't know if you can step on what I learned to be drywall uh, or the beams and I'm like but I know you can step on the beams. I don't know if you can step on the drywall. You might be able to, but I know for a fact you can step on the beams. So I'm like, hey, stay on the beams. Stay, you know. So we're walking around. We're like tightroping it kind of deal. Or, you know, you're doing that awkward straddle between two beams. And eventually Joey gets bored. He got bored really easily. And so he got bored. He's like, I'm going back down. So he goes back down, sits in the living room. And remember, my house is pretty small. And so I can, where I am in the attic... Me and Joey could have a conversation by like just whispering pretty much, right? And so eventually I get bored. And so I'm like, Josh, I'm going to go back down because it was only like a five by five space unless you wanted to go into the abyss of the other half of the house where there was no windows or anything. And there probably is a dead body or something, you know, like that was over there. I'm like, I don't know, not going over there. So I start halfway down and you kind of like do that awkward like ladder the other way down type deal. 
And so I'm like sitting there, and now the, the attic is like right here on me. Half my body's out, right? I can hear Joey talking, uh, and Josh is right here on my line going to the abyss, right? He's like, I'm just going to go over here and just check it out. I'm like, that's fine. If you're not back in five minutes, I'm bolting the door. Like, that's how it was kind of deal. So he goes, and I say, hey, be careful and step on the beams. He's like, well, I can't see the beams. I'm like, all right, well, just drag your foot along the installation, right? You can, I mean, the, the installation wasn't, it was powdered insulation kind of deal. Like, you could kick it away. So he's like, all right, that's fine. So all of a sudden, he's going, he's probably three feet down this beam, and he slips. He slips, and uh, before I can ask if he's okay, like, before I can be like, Josh, are you all right? I hear Joey in the living room. Josh's foot's in the ceiling! <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. And so lo and behold, we get, he gets out, I get down, I look in the living room, and right above the TV is like an 11 and a half size shoe imprint of Josh, where Josh's foot was. And there's like, there's sheetrock on the floor, insulation's falling down, and the first thing in my head, my dad's gonna kill me, right? Uh, and to this day, you can go to my house and see where his foot went. No, we fixed it, but it just <laughs> looks a little off. Uh, and I tell you that, one, it could have ended up a whole lot worse than it did. I mean, Josh could have fell all the way through, could have hit something on the other side, could have hit the TV that's made of, that was, had glass or whatnot. I mean, it could have ended, uh, ended up way worse, and I'm, I'm grateful for the way it did. I'm still friends with these guys, so give you a kind of spoiler it again. Um, there are some of my best friends will be in my wedding. Uh, but, uh, I tell you that because it, it, though it doesn't end in like this crazy ordeal that I'm like, yeah, it led to this. It did have to do with, it was a slow fade of mine to, to, to get into, to be pressured into, or to be influenced into going up into the attic when I knew that my dad had said no, because at the root of it all, peer pressure, that's what it leads to it leads to disobedience. It leads to disobedience overall to God, but specifically in those moments, it leads to disobedience between our parents, our teachers, our coaches, our authority, any, whoever is above you. Uh, when, we're, when we're talking about the negative effects or the negative side of peer pressure, at the root of it all, it leads to disobedience. So why is this peer pressure thing, why is it even a thing? Why do we have this, why are we influenced by our friends so, in, in such a way that it leads to that disobedience in people? Well, the simplest answer that I could find is this. We care what people think. You care what people think about you. I care what people think about me. You know, this peer pressure is, is more so from the fact that I don't want to be rejected by that person or I don't want to be outcasted by that group. I have to, if they knew what I believed, then maybe they would start talking bad about my back. If they thought that I was, it has to do with the fear of man. That's what the Bible says. The fear of man. Fearing what other people may think about you, what other people may say about you. And here's what happens when we give into that fear of man. When you, as a believer, and you, even as a non, if you don't believe in, in God, here's what happens. When you say that, I, that, that you're afraid of man, of their opinions of you, here's what you're saying to God. I, hey, I, I'm good. I don't need you. I can do this on my own. I got this, right? 
That's what, you're saying to, that's what you're saying to God. You're saying, hey, in these decisions of my life, I can handle it. In this way of my life, I can handle it. I can take on the consequences. I can take, this is what I'm supposed to, like, I'm good. I got it. When we give in to the fear of man, that's what we're saying. But the Bible makes pretty clear these two points. In Proverbs 3, 7, it says this. Uh, chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The first line rhymes, and I'm really bummed the second line didn't. But don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I love that it says fear, like, fear the Lord. It doesn't say fear, uh, you know, whoever's name. It doesn't say fear Becky's name or fear, uh, you know, Jonathan's name. It, do- it doesn't say anything like that, right? No, it says fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Not fear whoever and give in. It says fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So how do we do that though? How do we fear the Lord and run from evil? You know, Daniel, it's a lot easier said than done and I agree. But here are, there's four things I want you to, uh, I want you to take away from tonight. Four things that, I, they're not necessarily steps, but they're more so action points of, uh, of what I've seen to, to make this whole idea of peer pressure maybe a little easier. It's not one to, to say it's going to take away peer pressure, but these can be the, those safe rails uh, in your life to, to show that. And they're not in any particular order. Like I said, they're more so action points uh, to dealing with peer pressure. And here's the first one. Number one is serve God alone. Serve God alone. If we are to stand up against peer pressure and stand firm in our faith, it, it can't be just a Wednesday and uh, Sunday morning type deal. It can't just be, I, I'll give you this hour or that hour, but I'm going to go do these things on this, uh, uh, on this other time, or I'm going to hang out with these people on this time or that time. No, it's got to be an all-out, 100%, all-in, jumping-in, two-feet kind of deal. You cannot serve God and serve yourself. You cannot, on some decisions, say, hey, I got this, and on others, say, Lord, I need you. When it comes to peer pressure, if we are going to deal with it, we have to serve God alone. We can't give the enemy the smallest opening. What will happen is if we give him that small crack, that one little uh, crevice of opening, what will happen is he'll start to pour in and pour in, but before you know it, that small little crack becomes the biggest bomb in your life. Becomes the biggest case of destruction in your life. And so serve God alone. Number two is this. Avoid bad company. Now this one probably hits home for uh, some of you because as soon as you saw it, you like thought of that person. You like thought of that group. You're like, even when we talked about peer pressure, you started thinking about, you're like, oh yeah. That one time when such and such got, yeah. That one time when I pressured such and such to do, yep. Like you're thinking of that group already, right? And here's what uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. A couple months ago, we talked about what it means to, to, um, to hang out with fools, Right? I went down a list of things of these things you might be hanging out with fools if these are true. 
if they're leading you the wrong way, if they're, uh, and there's a number of things that we talked about that you may be hanging out with fools and that fool will suffer harm. That's what the Bible says. And in this same verse, it's saying, evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. This goes along with that action point number one, because if you're serving God alone, then, uh, then you're not hanging out with this evil company. If you're serving God alone and you're allowing him to direct you into good company, then it's one of those things where you're not giving 50% of your time over here and 50% of the time over here. And I want you to hear this. This is a big, this is a big key to, to me uh, when I was studying this. I was studying the, the, the word company or whatnot. Here's what I want you to know. That's not just people. You may say, well, Daniel, I got great friends. I got good friends who, who lead me to Christ, who lead me in great things. They don't, they don't pressure me into doing things. They don't pressure me into, into going to the wrong places. No, they're, they're great. I want you to company is not just people. It's the music you listen to. It's the clothes you wear. It's the YouTube channels you're subscribed to. It's the video games you play. It's the TV shows that you watch. Evil company will corrupt good habits, whether that's people or the things that you're surrounding yourself in your life. It could be the websites that you go to. Evil company corrupts good habits. Number three is this. Be ready. Be ready. If we're putting, if we put action one and two together in our lives and we're, we're, we're not associating ourselves with uh, bad company, if we're serving God alone, you might be like, oh, I'm, I'm good to go. Like, I can take on the day. I'm, I, I'm ready to roll. That is, that is so true if you make that decision every day. If you make that decision every day and you say, uh, and you make the conscious decision to say, today I'm going to serve God alone. Today I'm not going to put myself in bad company. As an adult, I've seen myself where I've had to make that decision. I've been in seasons of my life where I've had to wake up and consciously say to myself in the mirror those things. Because if I don't, that window starts to open just a tad that crack starts to get a little bigger and bigger and bigger. And before I know it, I have fallen into what I was trying to stay away from. I've fallen into bad habits and bad company. You have to be ready day in and day out, minute by minute, that you are serving God alone and that you're avoiding bad company. Number four is this. This is the last one. And to me, this is the most important one. If there was an order, I would have switched it, but I wanted to end with this one. Number four is this. Trust in God. Trust in God. Earlier we read Proverbs 3, verse 7, but I want to read you the, and many of you know it probably by heart, even if you don't know the reference. Once you hear it, you'll be like, oh yeah, I knew that one. But I want to read you what comes right before verse 7. Right before, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and run away. What does, uh, what does the Bible say right before that? Here's, here's what it is. In verse 5 it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understandings. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I want to break it down just very quickly as we wrap up here. I want, I want you to see these, these verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Serve God alone. As in, he doesn't want 2% of your heart. He doesn't want 50% of it. He doesn't want uh, 99.99% of your trust. Remember, keep in mind, that one crack can destroy. That 1.0% can destroy. Now, he doesn't want that. He wants 100% of your trust. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everything you have, he is asking for. It says, lean not, do not lean on your own understandings. As in, don't look at yourself better than, better than him. Don't look at yourself better than them. Or don't say, I got this. I can do it on my own. I don't need help on this. Don't be prideful about your life and the choices and decisions around you. Don't try to say, no, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to go this way. I can lean myself through this. Don't lean on your own understandings. Because when you do that, you're not fully trusting in God. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Not in some ways, not in, uh, you know, halfway. Again, it's the, this word all. In all your ways, acknowledge him. As in when, whether it's good or bad, uh, whether it's a high moment in your life or a low moment in your life, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. It could be to praise him. It could be saying, Lord, thank you for these things that you've given me. Or it can be in a negative, Lord, help me get out of these things. Father, how should I go about these, th this direction? Lord, make it clear to me where you want me to go. Acknowledge him. Have that conversation. If you have a relationship with God, that's what it's, it's about. It's about talking to him and having that conversation. Acknowledge who he is and what he's done for you. Acknowledge him. And here's the promise, and here's the part of this verse that I love. You do those things, and he will make your path straight. He'll make your path straight. Uh, the fastest point from point A to point B is a straight line. You've learned that in school, right? It's not a zigzag line. It's not a loop-de-loop. -loop. It's not going through the woods and under the bridge. It's, not, it's, it's a straight and direct, clear path. And here's what I want you to hear in this verse. Here's what I want you to get tonight. That this promise, it's not to take peer pressure away. This promise isn't to, to say, hey, I'm going to take all this stress and anxiety off of you. I'm going, if you trust in me uh, with all your heart, if you don't try to do it your own way, if you acknowledge me, I'm going to take all this away from you. That's not what he's promising. He's promising that I'll make your path straight. That when you, having, when you have peer pressure coming from school or home or your friends or your teammates Wherever it is, he's saying, I'm going to step you back. I'm going to straighten them out. Put them in front of you. And when you acknowledge me, when you trust in me, I'm going to make that path straight for you. I'm not going to put a fork in the road. I'm not going to cover the path up with leaves. I'm not going to take you which way and that way and upside down. No, 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 no. I'm going to make it clear to you where you need to go. 
I'm going to make it clear to you of how you need to handle this. But you have to trust me. You have to let go of your own understandings of this. And you have to acknowledge that I'm God and I love you.